TED Audio Collective. Not to brag or anything, but I was a three-sport varsity athlete in high school. Soccer, basketball, and track, later softball. Not that I was good. Well, I kind of was. But here's why sports meant so much to me. I loved the teamwork. I loved that it was competitive. I loved seeing myself and my teammates improve with practice. I loved the discipline and being coached by an expert. And I knew leadership experiences like being captain would be helpful for college and for life. And it has been. In the working world, being able to play sports, talk about sports, watch sports matters. It fosters connection between people who are different. And heck, we even use sports in hiring decisions. Seeing athleticism on a resume signals an ability to work hard, perform well, compete, and be a team player. But today's speaker argues that there's another kind of activity that is like sports, but doesn't get the same type of respect. And that activity is video games. I'm Madupa Akinola. This is TED Business. And today we're going to hear a talk from William Collis, who I'll call a competitive video game enthusiast. He's steeped in an industry called esports, where people compete very seriously in all kinds of video games, like Fortnite, League of Legends, and even Tetris. He wrote a book called The Book of Esports. He hosts a podcast called The Business of Esports, and he co-founded a platform that coaches gamers. And in this talk, he'll make the case for his people and for his sport, esports. And let me tell you, he's pretty convincing. So after the talk, I'll dig deeper into what we can do to integrate gaming into the workplace. So let's hear from William after a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, TED Business listeners. We're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. 
Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. In 2019, the highest paid athlete in the world was an Argentine footballer named Lionel Messi. And his talent, dribbling a ball down a pitch and booting it past a goalkeeper. It's a skill so revered by fans and corporate sponsors alike that in 2019, Messi took home $104 million. That's almost $2 million for every goal he scored in season. He's a pretty spectacular athlete by any standard. Why is it Messi's particular skills are so valuable? Sure, there are obvious answers. We just have enormous respect for athletic prowess. We love human competition. And sports unite generations. You can enjoy watching soccer with your grandfather and your granddaughter alike. But growing up, I admired a different sort of athlete. I didn't just want to bend it like Beckham. I loved video games and I was floored by the intricate strategies and precision reflexes required to play them well. To me, they were equally admirable to anything taking place in stadia around the world. And I still feel that way. Today, I still love video games, I founded successful companies in the space, and I've even written a book about the industry. But most importantly, I've discovered I'm not alone. Because as I've grown up, so is gaming. And today, millions of players around the world meet to compete in gaming centers. And large gaming tournaments like the League of Legends World Championships can reach over 100 million viewers online. That's more than some Super Bowls. And Lionel Messi isn't the only pro getting played for his skills. Top gaming teams can take home $15 million or more from a single tournament, like Dota's Invitational. And all this is why traditional sports stars, from David Beckham to Shaquille O'Neal, are investing in competitive games, transforming our industry, now called esports, into a $27 billion phenomenon almost overnight. But despite all this, the skills required to be a pro gamer still don't get much respect. Parents hound their gaming-loving kids to go outside, do something useful, take up a real sport. And, and I'm not saying that physical activity isn't important or that esports are somehow better than traditional sports. What I want to argue is that it takes real skill to be good at competitive video games. So let's take a look at the skills required to win in Fortnite, League of Legends, Rocket League, some of today's most popular esports. Now, all of these games are very different. League of Legends is about controlling a magical champion as they siege an opposing fortress with spells and abilities. Fortnite is about parachuting into a 100-person free-for-all in a tropical island paradise. And Rocket League is soccer with cars, which, while it may sound strange, I promise is incredibly fun. And yet, all of these three esports, despite their differences, and most competitive games, actually, have three common categories of skill and I'm gonna take you through each in turn. The first type of skill required to master esports is mechanical skill, sometimes referred to as micro. Mechanical skill governs activating and aiming in-game abilities with pixel-perfect accuracy. And I'd most liken mechanical skill to playing an instrument like piano. 
there's a musical flow and a timing to predicting your opponent's actions and reactions. And crucially, just like piano, top esports pros hit dozens of keys at once. Gamers regularly achieve APMs or actions per minute of 300 or more, which is roughly one command every fifth of a second. And in particularly mechanically demanding esports like StarCraft, top pros achieve APMs of 600 or more, allowing them to literally control entire armies one unit at a time. To give you an idea of how difficult this is, imagine a classic game like Super Mario Brothers. But instead of controlling one Mario, there are now 200. And instead of playing on one screen, you're playing across dozens, each set to a different level or stage. And now Mario can't just run or jump, but he has new powers, teleportations, cannon blasts, things like that, that have to be activated with split-second timing. Yeah, it is really hard to play mechanically demanding esports like StarCraft well. Now, the second category of skill required to master esports is strategic skill, sometimes called macro. And this governs the larger tactical choices gamers make. And I'd liken strategic skill to mastery of chess. You have to plan attacks and counterattacks and manipulate the digital battlefield to your advantage. But crucially, unlike chess, esports are constantly evolving. A popular esport like Fortnite can patch almost every week. And even the most competitive esports, like Rainbow Six Siege, update every quarter. And these changes aren't just cosmetic. They introduce new abilities, new heroes, new maps. Constant change requires adaptivity. It asks esports pros to do more than just practice, but to theorize and invent. Now, gamers call this constantly evolving suite of strategies the meta, short for the metagame. And it would be like if every few weeks the rules of basketball fundamentally evolved. Maybe three-pointers are now worth five points, or NBA pros can dribble out of bounds. If this happened, basketball would permit for new strategies to win games. And the teams that discovered these new strategies first would have a big, if temporary, advantage. And this is exactly what happens in esports every time there's a patch or update. Competitive gaming rewards its most creative and unconventional thinkers with free wins. Now, the last category of skill required to be good at esports is leadership, sometimes referred to as shot calling. Esports pros are constantly in private voice chat communications with their teammates, supplemented by a system of in-game pings. This is what allows a team of League of Legends pros to coordinate a spectacular barrage of five-man ultimates flashing in to capitalize on a minor mispositioning by their opponents. And leadership skill is also what allows game captains to rally their teammates in moments of crisis and inspire them to make one last risky all-in assault on the opposing base. And I'd argue this is the same type of leadership exuded by executives and team captains everywhere. It's the ability to seize opportunity, clearly and decisively communicate decisions, and inspire others to follow your lead. And all these three categories of skill, mechanical, strategic, and leadership, they have a crucial element in common. They're all almost entirely mental. Unlike my ability to have a basketball career at 5'10", esports doesn't care how tall I am, what gender I identify as, how old I am. In fact, esports controllers can even be adapted to pros with unique physical needs. Look at gamers like Brawly Legs who can't move his arms or legs, or Half Coordinated who has limited use of his right hand. And these pros don't just compete, they set records. Now, 
I'm not here to argue that esports is some sort of egalitarian paradise. Our industry has real issues to address, particularly around inclusivity for women, marginalized groups, and those without equitable access to technology. But just because esports has a long way to go doesn't mean its skills don't deserve respect. And what particularly bugs me is how often we ascribe such enormous value to traditional athletic talents off the field. How many times have we been in a job interview setting, let's say, and heard somebody say something like, well, John is a phenomenally qualified candidate. He was captain of his college lacrosse team. Really? John is going to be a great digital marketer because he can hurl a ball really far with a stick? Come on, we would not apply that logic anywhere else. Stand aside, scientists. Sarah is my choice to repair this nuclear reactor. After all, she played varsity soccer. No, what we mean when we say John or Sarah is phenomenally qualified for a job is that because of their experiences playing traditional sports, they have developed traits with real value in the workplace. Diligence, perseverance, teamwork. And think of how I've just described esports to you. Doesn't it sound like mechanical skills, strategic skill leadership? Wouldn't those develop all those same traits too? And more to the point, in today's fast-paced digital office environment, I think I might rather have a pro gamer on my team than a traditional athlete. After all, I know they can be charismatic and decisive over voice chat, and I'm sure doing a lot of Zoom calls today in my business. So maybe now I've convinced you that esports and video games deserve a little more respect. But if not, let me try to make one last final appeal. Because look at it this way. Our society is changing. Technology is fundamentally infiltrating every aspect of our daily lives, transforming everything from how we work to how we fall in love. Why should sports be any different? You know, I, I think of my own childhood. You know, I grew up watching the World Cup with my family, and I learned to love soccer in large part because I watched it with my dad, and I would have loved doing anything with him. And now I think of my own sons, but instead of soccer, we're watching esports, not the violent ones, mind you, but I'm building the same sorts of memories with my kids that my father did with me. We're marveling at the same skill and reveling in the same victory. It is an identical feeling of pure awe and excitement. It's just a different game. Thank you very much. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just wanna know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. Odoo, modern management made simple. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab investing themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. 
I just want to start off by saying, I so hear you, William. I really do, because I've always had an affinity for sports, and I was raised at a time where there were stereotypes against what it meant to be a video game player. And I really appreciate William opening my eyes to see the richness of this booming industry and how much we can actually learn from video games. So building on William's ideas, I think there are really valuable ways we can integrate video games into the workplace. And here are a few. Ropes courses, field days, softball teams. Companies use these all the time to bond people. But not everyone is physically inclined, physically able, or even physically around these days. So instead, what if you offer gaming as another way for people to connect? Think of all the benefits. Different people get a chance to lead, not just the uber athletic like me. But let's not forget the changing times. Through gaming, people can connect remotely and learn to use digital tools to bond. And not only that, but instead of exposing your coworkers to your sweaty, funky self, you don't even need to be yourself. You can take on an avatar and a new persona as a player, allowing you to see things from a different perspective in the process. So next time you're organizing an offsite, instead of the usual trust fall, try to find a video game that builds trust. So you can use video games to help people connect, but you might also be able to use them to identify the right people for a job. I came across a tweet, and I quote, I firmly believe that I learned more about building businesses from playing StarCraft than I learned from business books. That was a quote from Toby Lutka, the CEO of Shopify. And he's not the only one who feels this way. John Seely Brown, an organizational researcher, once said he would rather hire a high-level World of Warcraft player than an MBA from Harvard. I don't know, John, but I think I get your point, which is that the skills you build in certain video games can map really well to certain roles in organizations. So here's my recommendation for hiring. Open your mind. Because a raid leader for World of Warcraft may be the perfect person for the job you're trying to fill. And here's my recommendation for myself right now. I don't really know what World of Warcraft is, and I'm not about to go play it. But it's certainly the case that if I come across it on someone's resume, or if somebody is avidly talking about it, like I used to talk about sports, I'm going to have a new perspective on what they bring to the table. That's it for today. Kim Naderfane-Peterza is our producer. Sam Baer is our mixer. Fact check for this episode was done by Eliza Solomon. And special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Bakanola. I'll talk to you again next week. 